Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And here we are again to discuss a random monster from a random monster manual. In my hands today, we're going a little old school. I've got Pathfinder Bestiary number one. Classic, way back 3-5. So I am opening to page 153. And this is, I would call this a third-rate D&D monster. Okay. And I don't think I even need to tell you the name on this one, Matt. I think you might get it. I'll give you the one-sentence description. If you can't get it on that, I'll show you the picture. Fair enough. This horrid mass of eyes, mouths, and formless flesh stares in all directions, its countless maws yammering ceaselessly. Yeah, I know exactly. I can picture it completely. Yep, that's exactly what I had. I don't even remember what it's called, though. The Gibbering Mouther. That's it. Yep. Yep. The Gibbering Mouther. De- I would definitely say, like, it's for those of us deep into the monster manuals, I'd say it's pretty well known in yep. terms of, like, knowing what it is and, and what it can do. Not Not necessarily that. It's been used regularly, but I think it's pretty iconic to D&D. We are technically in Pathfinder, but Pathfinder definitely picked this up from D&D, carried it over. It was one of those that the open game license just kind of allowed. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you can use that. It's not that iconic. It's it's third tier. First tier, I mean, even a lot of first tier D&D, they didn't pull into the into their specific license, so that's nice too. But we have a CR5, a neutral medium aberration, initiative plus three, senses all around vision, darkness, 60 feet, perception, plus 12, because it's... There's a lot of eyes. A lot of eyes there. Yep. AC of 19, HP of 46. Its defensive abilities are, it is amorphous. It has damage reduction five bludgeoning. So that's... Damage reduction 5 to everything except bludgeoning, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's how that works. It's immune to critical hits and precision damage. Speed of only 10 feet. Swim of 20. Uh, It's got a melee of 6. Melee 6 bites plus 7. Is that 6 bites for a melee attack? That's what it sounds like, yeah. And they're at plus 7. Yeah, wow. Plus a grab. It has a few special attacks. It has Blood Drain and Gulf, which is 64 damage plus 2 con damage. It has Gibbering, Ground Manipulation, and Spittle, which is a plus 6 ranged attack. Environment is any underground. They are solitary, and their treasure is standard. Now I've got another little paragraph of description before we get into all of these special abilities. Disgusting loathsome and hungry these are the only words that properly describe the gibbering mouther a foul beast that lurks in underground caves sewers and nightmares mouthers have no societal ecological or religious significance other than their ability to drive those that listen to them mad i don't i don't know how i know that, some people like that <laughs> i don't know how that has any significance to do with societal ecological or religious Maybe a religion built around that. I don't know. You become a prophet if you turn mad from from listening to that. That's possible. Some scholars believe that gibbering mouthers are a lesser variant of the much more dangerous Shoggoth, 
while others theorize they are a punishment by some powerful being or deity inflicted on those who have offended it. That's a pretty bad punishment to be turned into one of those. Yeah. So that is our... Oh, and they speak Aklo. I think we looked up what Aklo was. I think it was just the created... The, the, the language that they created for, like, just abominations, if I remember correctly. Or it's, it's, a, um, it's a Cthulhu language, I think, for the old ones. Something along those lines, if I remember correctly. They pulled that language in. It's the language of the serpent folk, hmm. but it's also spoken by creatures as diverse as Aboleth, Shoguth, Gibbering Mouther, etc. So oh, okay. it's found in the Darklands. It's kind of the bad guy language, it sounds like. Gotcha. One okay. of them. So I was way off with that, the Cthulhu one. I thought for sure we looked up something at one point and found that it was like kind of tied into a Cthulhu language at some point, which this could be, it could be completely something different, but. Yeah, absolutely. Just by looking at this picture, it is gross. It is, it is a monstrosity. I know it's another underdark, it's another underground well, not necessarily. I mean, it's any underground, so I suppose if you you don't necessarily have to have a specific underdark location, but are we mincing words? Are we really cutting fine hairs in terms of what's underdark and what's regular underground? I mean, is there a difference? Is it just that Pathfinder can't use the term underdark? I don't know if that was part of the license or not. I think it almost feels like the underdark is a separate location. Underground is underground. You can travel underground. You know, you can go to a cave and it, it kind of goes underground, maybe a mine or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. But the underdark is a specific, and it's it's huge, obviously, because there's so much involved. But it feels like that's an actual continent of its own or a dungeon yeah. of its own. Yeah, I'm seeing here that it is specifically it's not it's more than just a cave or an underground passage it's a massive underground network that could potentially span an entire continent it's like another layer of the world yeah okay okay yeah so you can go underground without being in the underdark right yeah exactly if you're in the underdark you're always underground yep but if you're underground you're not always in the underdark yeah, there's a baby gate up. You have to pass by that one. Right, yeah. It's to keep out the gibbering mouthers. Exactly. Yeah. Of all the Underdark things that we've seen, particularly because this has a lot to work with in terms of all these different things that we'll get into, but, like, this is one of the creepiest. Like, this, especially this image, it is just... There's something really visceral, and it, it triggers, like, a lizard brain. Like, I would rather fight a grell, which is a floating brain with a beak and tentacles than have to fight this thing because it is gross yeah it most of the stuff we find in the underdark looks like something that whoever was in charge of the monsters whether it was gygax or one of his DD minions they just took a bunch of cards of body parts and just threw them up in the air and saw yeah. what came down together right and this happens to be the worst creation so congratulations guys it was all of the cards were just eyeballs and mouths yeah yeah and how do we do this i don't know it's like when you draw a landmass base on a bunch of thrown dice you just draw a big circle around it yeah and there you go that's exactly it yeah well let's get into special abilities obviously we have that all-around vision which allows it to not be flanked because it can see in every direction sure 
Amorphous, its body is malleable and shapeless. It's immune to precision damage like sneak attacks and critical hits, just like a blob, just like a skeleton. There's nothing Mm -hmm. specifically... The whole point of a critical hit is you're hitting, like... The theory is you're hitting a a sensitive organ or something to do max damage. There's, There's nothing in here. You hit a tongue or you hit an eye, there are two dozen others that are functioning doing the exact same thing. Correct. It can move through an area as small as one quarter its space without squeezing or one eighth its space when squeezing. So is there a mechanic for squeezing technically in here? Yes. It slows down movement. It makes it difficult terrain. Yeah, it slows down movement and I think it might hamper the ability to attack, but obviously that doesn't matter for something like this. Yeah. It has blood drain on a successful grapple check after grabbing several of the creature's mouths attached to its target. Each round it maintains its grapple, its mouths automatically deal 1d4 points of bite damage and one point of constitution damage as it drains its victim's blood. You could have 89 hit points, but you probably only have 17 or 18 constitution. Exactly, and if you're getting hit for two right off the bat, and then yep. one continuous, you, you'd better deal with this pretty quick. Right, you got to remove this bad boy. Yeah. And let's see, do we have... Its strength is only a 10. Oh, but its grapple is a plus 7. Okay. That is something to be going up against there. That's probably part of the being amorphous thing. I imagine so, yeah. It can just kind of wrap you. Yep. So it's not just a, a pair of arms wrapping you, which you can fairly easily pry yourself out of if you're your strengths are relatively similar, but this thing is trying to envelop you or, or as the next function says, engulf. Yeah. It's, you're basically putting your hand in a a tub of slime or something like that. It's, it's not as easy as grabbing it with your other hand and pulling it free. Right. You gotta, you gotta wipe it off. Someone to bring a towel. The engulf ability functions as a swallow hole, except for the following changes. An engulfed creature is trapped in the gibbering mouther's body, where several of its mouths continue to feed and drain blood. So it just, it creates a bubble, and the the outside with more eyes and mouths are just wrapped around you and around on the inside. That's, it's not like the mouths, it's not like it's swallowing you. It's not putting you in its mouths. It's just yeah. wrapping you up. The worst birthday present ever. <laughs> Absolutely. That's taking a gelatinous cube and just making it 10 times worse. Yeah. Ugh. A gibbering mouther can engulf only one foe of its size or smaller at a time. Reminder, it is a medium. If an engulfed creature cuts its way free, the mouther's damage reduction still applies to those inside. The mouther simply flows together again and can still use its engulf attack. Of course. So there's something... It's not flesh holding all these pieces together. There is something gelatinous about it, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like it. Or they're saying maybe you find the seam, you cut through the seam where where it is those two sides that meet, and then it it still goes. I don't know. Possible. I see it more as you're just kind of cutting into it, and it just folds outward. And maybe it's because every turn is six seconds, it's fast enough to do that Mm. before it starts basically weaving itself back together. Yeah, that particular verbiage of simply flows together again is what really makes me think that it is 
it's like you could knock this thing into a bunch of pieces and it will reconstitute itself. Like it is, it is goo. Yeah, you have to pulverize it for good. Yeah, unless you want it to come back and just kind of chase you down the hall. Its titular action is gibbering. As a free action, a gibbering mouther can emit a cacophony of maddening sound. All creatures other than gibbering mouthers within 60 feet must succeed on a DC 13 will save or be confused for one round. This is a mind-affecting compulsion insanity effect. Just that sentence is just amazingly badass. This is a mind-affecting compulsion insanity effect. A creature that saves cannot be affected by the same mouthers gibbering for 24 hours. The save DC is constitution-based. Oh, that thing they're draining? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, good point. Very good point. Yeah. That's interesting that it's a will save to to prevent it altogether, but to break it, it's a con save, which would be a fort. Right? I believe so. Yeah. That's interesting to change that. Why wouldn't it be, be will? Maybe it's just your, it's. It's your overall body bearing of being like, no, I, I am not insane. No, I'm not crazy. I think that's probably it. Yeah. So what is, oh, it's just confused, but. So I, I wonder if, if any of those are buzzwords, this, so, cause it tells us or be confused for one round. Confused is probably you, you don't do anything. You, you do something random, but a mind affecting compulsion insanity effect. Are those like keywords that we should be looking at for for Pathfinder or is that flavor? You know? Well, I think mind affecting it's kind of a key phrase because that limits who it can affect. Right. So you can't fake you know, oh no, Fae are immune to charm. So, so undead creatures cannot be affected okay. by mind affecting. Okay. I think constructs. Yeah. Unless you're playing some kind of really off-the-wall campaign, it's probably going to hit all your PCs. Right. Because that is three buzzwords, right? Mind-affecting, compulsion. I'm assuming that there are characters who cannot be compelled. And then insanity. I'm sure those three, those are three pieces. Yeah, I think they all deal with individuals that have some kind of resistance to that. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's like a high-level bard that can't be compelled or something like that right right or would you would you say if if your character is immune to one of those they are therefore immune to it you know is it more giving an option of it's any one of these things not all of these things just in terms of mechanics in terms of maybe making it a a little a little easier on your characters i don't know i mean it's only a cr5 yeah, I would probably say if you're immune to one, you're immune to all in this yeah. certain encounter, just because I don't see, I find it hard to believe you're going to have a character that's going to be immune to all three. So it's yeah, right. either it's one or it's zero because there's no point. Right. So what's, yeah, what's the point in, in telling us all three of those options if they can't save against the other two or they're not immune to the other two? Correct. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, here's an interesting one that I did not. I knew most of these about the gibbering mouther. I did not realize this one, and I wonder if it's specifically for this build in Pathfinder or not. It's ground manipulation. At will, as a standard action, a gibbering mouther can cause stone and earth under its body to grow soft and muddy. 
The ground remains muddy for one minute after the mouther moves off of the location. A gibbering mouther can move through these areas with ease, but other creatures treat them as difficult terrain. Is it just oozing digestive juices or something there? It's something. It's just peeing on the ground. Yeah. It's really acidic pee. It's like cat pee. It's like it smells yeah. of ammonia. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your perception check to, to see it, whether that, that space is muddy or not is actually fairly low. Yeah. And if you have kitty litter on you and dump it in there, I'd say you, you can nullify that effect. I'd say if you are taking up an item slot with kitty litter, you can nullify a lot of effects. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're willing to sacrifice your poundage, your weight carrying, yeah, yeah, yeah. kitty litter. But it's got to be one of those big, like economy sized buckets. That's the only uh, oh the yeah only option. Strapped to your back. Yep. The dwarf yep. has just got a huge satchel of it. Right. The turtle has it hanging off of his shell. Yeah. 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 That's the only option for kitty litter, but it may come in handy if someone hurls. Drop it on there. If the gibbering mouther turns the floor into mud, drop it on there. You're trying to get your cart out of a uh, icy driveway? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're just spinning your wheels? Drop it yep. under that. <laughs> uh, finally, Spittle. Each round as a free action, a gibbering mouther can emit a stream of acidic spittle at one target within 30 feet. On a successful attack, the target is blinded for 1d4 rounds unless he succeeds on a DC 18 fortitude save. The DC is a constitution-based save. Jeez. Again, I love I love that synergy of like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sap the hell out of this single stat. Yep. I'm gonna heal myself by drinking the blood. Oh no, it, it doesn't have that mechanic in there, does it? Blood drain. No, it doesn't, unfortunately. But it, it is doing that damage. Yeah. And then you happen to cut yourself free of this. You think you're kind of in the clear, and it just spits at you. And then it dilophosaurs into your eyes, yeah. Yeah. Or because it's 30 feet away, it does it to the wizard who already has a low con. That too, yeah. You know, he doesn't even need to drain the con of the wizard because that's probably been the wizard's dump stat. So just automatically do that. They're blinded for a D4 rounds. That means they're a distinct disadvantage. Actually, I don't know what blind is in, in Pathfinder. I don't know if it's a, if it's, because I know in 5e, it's, you're really just rolling with disadvantage. But I don't know if you, if you've got the gibbering mouther and the barbarian right next to it, I don't think I would do disadvantage. I would think you have a 50-50 chance of hitting the barbarian instead. Takes a minus two penalty to armor class, loses its dex bonus to AC, mm-hmm. takes a minus four penalty on most strength and dex-based skill checks, and okay. on op- opposed perception skill checks. That's it? Has nothing to do with... it. Has There has to be something with attacks. I am not seeing anything... That is shocking. Uh, they must make a DC 10 acrobatic skill check to move faster than half speed. I like that. That's a very nice mechanic. Yeah, it looks like it's just kind of defense-based in terms of a penalty. That is bizarre. I might work in a... I mean, if you're in Pathfinder, you're talking about bonuses and, and penalties as opposed right, to right. advantage-disadvantage. So right. I might work in like a minus two or a minus four penalty on just an attack roll. To the attack, something. right, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, if there's if if there is another creature in melee range in within five feet of the creature you're trying to hit, I would do a percentage. I really would. 
Yeah, something like that. Maybe even open up the crit fail range. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you roll a uh, one or a two or maybe a one, two or three, mm-hmm. and that's your crit fail. And that would be hitting the, the other player? I would make, yeah, I would auto do that. Even if you have okay. like the, the crit fail cards, I oh, would right. make that the auto. Yeah, you can bypass that very easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for, for write-up of the gibbering mouther. A lot of mechanics, a lot of fun stuff to play with at fifth level. That's, I find that's kind of unusual, isn't it? To have so much fodder to use against your players at at so low a level. I would say so, except if you didn't, it doesn't seem like this can really do a whole lot of the basic attacks. Like you you don't have the weapons, you don't have any kind of specific spells or things like that that you would see from a, another creature at this level so you kind of have to fill out that that uh, playing card that's a good point let's see we've got six bites plus seven one d4 plus grab that's it that's all it's got yeah so it can do six bites at one d4 you know it's definitely on the lower side of damage but it is most certainly made up for by having, like you said, having having all of those those different options there. And it it certainly changes up the fight that from one to four, you're really basically just beating the snot out of stuff unless yep. you find some of these really cool kind of hidden gems in here. I'm really tickled with 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 this option in here and I'm I'm really tempted to go back and look at other iterations of the gibbering mouther, whether it's later Pathfinder or the different variations in in D and D, to see how they handle it, a lot like kind of how we looked at the the Tarask at the end of last year. Exactly, yeah. But I I, I would throw this at at, at players for sure. Oh, a hundred percent, especially if you're going to do some sort of an underdark campaign. Yeah, which I think we've given enough fodder for one at this point. Oh yeah. I think this probably goes without saying, but just because a monster in its description says, oh, this is an un- uh, a monster commonly found in the Underdark, you could throw it in any cave. You don't ha- It doesn't have to be the Underdark. Oh, absolutely. You know, if it, it is, whenever I see Underdark, I translate that as underground because I've never in my life run a game where the Underdark is. So, Good point, you know. yeah. It's just you don't see this creature wandering around the open streets of a village oh yeah absolutely it's you know it it gives you an idea of where to put it but it doesn't restrict you too much in terms of where not to like nearly anything in the monster manual it is a suggestion and as the dm you are well within your rights to tweak it in any way you see fit make this thing an aquatic creature make this thing a forest creature there's no reason not to sure you see like twigs and sticks and leaves hanging out of this thing and it's got the half end of a rabbit sticking out of one of its mouths and and it's it was hiding under a pile of leaves you know because it's it's autumn and you interrupted its playtime sure maybe some of the eyes and mouths you can see are a bit more animalistic as opposed to human yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it does absorb some some aspects or maybe it grows bigger as it consumes more of these things. It doesn't say anything in there about that. So why not? Yeah, build the lore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Say I think it was gosh, what was it? It was the thing that was just 
like hands and body parts that it absorbs the body parts of creatures and, and eventually you see like an arm with a distinctive tattoo that you've seen before. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Do that. Work that into this thing. Why not? You're on a date in in Faerun and all of a sudden the girl that you're on a date with goes missing and a couple play sessions later you meet this creature and you recognize a specific maybe she has like a some distinctive lips or something she has like a a lip ring or something along those lines or you see there's something in her eyes you would recognize that tramp stamp anywhere that is a whole different gibbering mouther (laughs) a gibbering mouther was from first edition i'm looking at at the original it's got it's kind of smiley and goofy not i thought for sure it would have stemmed from spelljammer this feels very spelljammer to me it's got that feel, that wacky feel of a lot of... There were two types of art in, like, first edition. Mm-hmm. The high school art student, really rough, clearly amateur, but clearly all that Gygax and Arneson could afford at yep. the time. That is not to knock it. They're the progenitors of the whole, the whole genre, and I praise them with every fiber of my being. If you get a chance, pick up the D&D art book. It tells you the whole history and everything. Super fascinating. Yeah. Or there's the really good detail, but slightly goofy. Like this thing is, this thing falls under that. It is the really good detail, but it is definitely on the goofier side. Yeah, they didn't seem to have a good method of handing these out where you could probably have given this to one of the art students and just yeah. said, it go to town, buddy. Yeah, but no, right. you, you had someone with a little bit more innate skill mm-hmm. and experience take on the massive eyes and mouths. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, the lore of the art that is, is D&D is it, it was basically like, well, we needed this art. We gave it to the person who was available to do this art regardless yeah, And that's how we get such a wide range, at th- particularly at that time when they were really just starting out for those first couple of years working in a slum house in, in Michigan or wherever. Uh, Wisconsin, I think. Wisconsin, I think, yeah. Yeah, there's also a, there's also an art documentary on uh, Amazon Prime about D&D. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Eye of the Beholder. Also super fascinating to watch. If you're if you're into, into the art or even just the lore and history that is where D&D started and, and where it is now. Very great resources to look into. Okay, Matt, how many... Oh my God, a young gibbering mouther with braces on all of its mouths. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just being silly there. That's an orthodontist's worst nightmare. Oh no, I mean, he, that's that pays for his boat and, and more. <laughs> and his summer home. <laughs> sure. Uh, especially when the uh, gibbering mouther decides not to wear his retainer on every one right. of those mouths. Right. Yeah. Assuming it doesn't like spit in his eyes, but yeah. Okay. Gibbering mouther retainers. There we go. Nailed it. How many retainers would you give the the gibbering mouther? I would say you can give it a solid four retainers. Yep. I thought you were going to go for four. It's pretty good. It's pretty cool. It's a great encounter, but... It's not the backbone of anything. I, if you pulled it out of the... Well, I guess you don't have to pull it out of the underground, but you could make it a little bit more. You know, there there's definitely room for for expansion and a little more 
personality and working in a little more in depth into things, but it's not, it's no grave night. It's no carnivorous ship. No, it, it is definitely a memorable encounter though. If you play it right, there's enough extra going on with this creature, especially the Pathfinder one. Cause I'm sure constitution damage was probably not something that they really envisioned in the earlier iterations and even in the 5e version you know they yeah that kind of specific ability damage mm-hmm. had a home right in like that pathfinder 35 type era yeah they are vicious with those numbers yeah 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 a lot of a lot of math before they had computer programs to do that for you i was just thinking that yeah you have to be committed to play pathfinder and you probably want your character sheet in triplicate Like, have the original, have one on, like, a dry erase. Do your math real quick. Everything is laminated. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Much like with the gibbering mouther. So that is four retainers for the gibbering mouther. I think that's pretty good. I think that's that's pretty good. I I enjoyed him. I would definitely want to throw him at my players because it is, I I think, like you said, it it could be a fairly memorable experience. For sure. Fairly traumatizing. I, I think there's... There's something very, without just saying that it's it's gross, there's something more there that kind of, it's like that innate feeling that that some people get when they see a spider of just like, just revulsion. They're just repelled by this thing. It's horror movie material. Yeah, it really is. It's, what was, uh, Slither. It's like Slither. Was, isn't there a giant gooey ooze thing that people get all absorbed into in Slither? Did you ever see Slither? I believe I did. It's been a long time, but it's, yeah, I think something like that. Very sure. good. Very good movie. Highly recommended. So, so four retainers for the gibbering mouther, 10 retainers for the movie Slither. And come on back next week for another random monster from a random monster manual. Thank you so much for listening. We genuinely appreciate it. And we'll be back in a week. Bye-bye. Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.